0: morning. The scripture reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through chapter 4 to verse 1. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me, of, of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind me and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us, have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For, as I often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, th- will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. All
1: well, good morning once again. Before I get into the word, before I get into the sermon, how about we just say big hello to those who are joining us on Facebook. Hello. Oh, that was one, two, three. Hello. Okay, there we go. Very good. Uh, before I also start, I uh, want to say that we all missed you last week. We have... Of course, uh, I switched pulpits with Pastor Davis Mepinga, uh, who was here, and I heard he did a wonderful uh, sermon on numbering your days from the Psalms. And although the body of Christ is made up of Christians from all over the place, uh, we indeed miss you guys. You are our family, and so it's good to be back and continue our series in Philippians. Before I start, let's pray. Father, it is good to be among your people. It is good to open your word and to see what you have to tell us. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit uh, gives us uh, the ears to hear and the eyes to uh, see uh, the gospel in this passage. That, indeed, uh, having a gospel goal is good news. And I pray that through the words that are spoken, the words that we think and hear and read, that you are given all of the glory through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. I, if you didn't know, which you should know this by now, uh, love to play sports and, of course, played basketball for quite a few years in school, and I helped uh, develop some players on an individual basis later as well. Uh, I, much like many of you or many many of your kids or grandkids, love to be in sports, and, of course, in particular, basketball. Uh, One of the things about sports is that it gives you drive. As an athlete, you start to learn that there is a goal, whether it be short-term goals, which could be, of course, game to game to game, or long-term goals, such as winning the championship, or even more long-term and more loftier, making it as a professional. For example, have you ever seen the daily life or read about the daily life of an Olympic athlete? Although each athlete is of course unique, their daily lives go something like this. Wake up early, quite early, eat a carefully planned breakfast of just the right amount of carbs, protein, fat, early morning training exercises, eat a carefully planned snack, of course for the right energy to start the day, late morning morning training session, Lunch, carefully planned, of course. Midday rest, of course, to prevent these fatigued muscles. Eating a carefully planned snack. An afternoon training session, carefully planned dinner. And yes, some relaxation in there, but like it all, carefully planned. The pursuits of the goal for Olympic athletes, the gold medal or multiple gold medals, the accolades, is all-consuming it takes up their entire day their entire week their entire focus and drive goals of course typically give us focus whether we're athletes or far from it it helps us set direction in life when i was in college of course in the later half of it my focus was to become a pastor in a local church When many of you helped build this building, many of us are worshiping in this morning, there was a a clear goal of having it built so that the, the church could gather together to worship and build community within it. In the classic book, Alice in Wonderland, when Alice comes to a junction in the road that leads to different directions, she asks the Cheshire Cat, says, Cheshire Cat, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to go, said the cat. I don't much care where, replied Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go. If you're like Alice this morning and desire some sort of certain goal in your life, if you're like Alice this morning and and need to know which way to go and where your focus should be, we're going to see what God's word has to say about that. For myself, it's been a real joy to go through the book of Philippians. I hope it's been like that for you as well since the first Sunday in January, which seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? It's a book, of course, Philippians, in which many of us know certain things about, maybe little individual verses or passages, but not necessarily the bigger picture in Philippians. In Philippians, there's a great number of these individual verses that we memorize, that we cherish, that we remember. We learn them in Sunday school, in Bible studies, and in other places. We memorize them, and we keep them hidden in our hearts for times in our life. Some of those verses from Philippians are like these ones, Philippians 1, 6, that being confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will bring it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Philippians 2.3-4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And Philippians 3.8, which we read a couple of weeks ago, Paul says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. And of course, many others, many individual verses or passages that we'll see in the next few weeks as we get near to the end of our series in Philippians. These verses are, of course, not alone, as they help paint the larger picture, the larger theme of the book of Philippians, which is our joy in knowing and being united to Christ and Christ alone. Today, as you can see from the title behind me in your sermon notes, we're going to be seeing what the gospel goal is. Gospel, of course, meaning the life-transforming good news from God himself, which culminates in the glory of his son, Jesus, who died for sinners and will come again in glory, our great hope. In order to see this well, this passage today, we need to look at our previous passage, which would been out for a couple of weeks. If you have your Bibles with you, Philippians 3, 1 to 3, and verses 7 to 11. Just previous passage. Philippians 1, 3, 1 to 3, and verses 7 to 11. Paul says this. But whatever were gains to me i now consider loss for the sake of christ continues on 7 to 11. what is more i consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost all things i consider them garbage that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. There was and is a clear message from this passage a couple weeks ago that our confidence in our righteousness and really in all of life, comes from knowing Christ. All else is loss. All else is garbage, as Paul says, so that he may gain Christ and that we may gain Christ as well. With that little refresher, keep that passage open. We're going to be finishing this chapter today with the passage that Chelsea just read a little while ago. Philippians 3, 12, 4 to 1, but we're going to read 12 to 16 for now. Philippians 3, 12 to 16. Paul says once again, In Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and if on some point you think differently that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Paul right here is trying to clear up a misunderstanding before it becomes a misunderstanding. After verse 10 and 11 which is again I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul wants to make sure the Philippians know he hasn't attained or obtained this. He isn't at the height of his spiritual knowledge or relationship with Jesus. This is the this that Paul is talking about. He hasn't already obtained all this. But he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The absolute literal version of this verse would say, I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus. I think there's kind of a a sweat to the Christian life, a massive effort on the Christian to press on and to take hold. I know what it's like to sweat when I, was a, when I was younger as a child. I would sweat so much that if I was simply sitting down, my nose would just sweat. And I would joke with my family that I had a sweating problem. If there is something I've learned about effort, is that with real effort there is kind of sweat that produces. And to press on and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of us means there must be some sort of spiritual sweat that accompanies the Christ follower. But this effort, this sweat, is only produced by knowing that Christ took hold of us. Paul reminds us that Christ first took hold of us. This isn't simply a a little hold with a little pinky or a little finger, but it's a, a firm grasp. In John ten twenty eight we hear these powerful words. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The true Christian is safe and secure. Philippians one six, the verse we've already read, that being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Although this is a beautiful truth that the Christ follower who is safe and secure is indeed safe and secure, we need to understand that the Christian life isn't a life called to live in a state of passivity, to be passive. The Christ follower, the Christ worshiper and delighter makes his safety confirmed and shown through the pressing on to the final goal. This grip, this hold that Jesus has on us should produce an all-out pursuit of him on our part. This is shown even more visibly in the following verses where Paul tells that he has not considered himself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing he does, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This image of the race and pressing on is revealed even more in 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, where Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. In the words of Jesus in Luke 9:62. No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We must press on to win the prize. We must run in such a way to get that prize. We must get up and share this glorious gospel in which we have been saved by. If we don't right now, we must see how we can try to have in ourselves such habits that help us press on further and further each day to the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. But what is this prize? What is our goal? Let's back up a little more. Chapter three, verses seven to eight. Paul writes again, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says here that he counts everything as loss for the sake of Christ three times. Considering loss for the sake of Christ everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, and lost all things, considering them garbage, that he may gain Christ. See, the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus is Jesus Christ himself. To know him fully, to dwell with him closely as death is gain, and to gain Christ. Christ. He is the gospel goal. He is the gospel prize. God himself revealed in Christ Jesus. So we must press on each day to know Christ more than we did the previous day. Through that we will grow up and see how Christ is our treasure more and more. Paul then says in verse 15 and 16, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Mature. Paul uses the word mature in this passage, in this verse. But what does Paul mean when he says mature? Does he mean that mature Christians are those who have obtained or attained the prize already? This is doubtful since Paul has said All of us then who are are mature, because he has already said, not that I have already obtained all this. Hebrews chapter 5, 13 to 14 uses the same word. It says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. And 1 Corinthians 5, 20. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. That word adults is the same word in the Greek for mature that Paul uses in the passage this morning. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So when Paul says mature, he is saying not like children, not inexperienced in the faith, in belief, are not inexperienced in the spiritual warfare reality of the world, and that we can discern well from good and evil. Does mature necessarily mean that you have to be a certain age? I don't think so. Does mature mean you have to necessarily have a certain position within the local church? I don't think so. But maturity does mean that those who are mature are no longer spiritual infants, and in this passage in Philippians they are call to take a view of such things. The things being pressing on to knowing Jesus Christ. If at some point you think differently, Paul says, if at some point you disagree, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained, that it is Christ has taken hold of us. Let's look at verses 17 to 21 now and 4 verse 1. Paul says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. One of the ways that we press on toward our goal is by following the example of people around us and before us, reading biographies, talking to people that we admire for their faith, seeing how they followed Christ and shared him. Before that, though, or rather after that, there comes a warning from Paul. He says that there are many who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippi, if you're unaware, was a location about a day's walk from the coast, which made it easy for travelers to come and find their way to the city. It's likely that many travelers who came tried to tell the church in Philippi that grace from God, that is Christ holding on to us, meant that they could simply do whatever they wanted. This is one of the greatest objections to biblical Christianity, that because we have so much grace, amazing grace, as we sing about, we can simply live our lives in as much sin as we want. But Paul paints a larger and more glorious picture in the book of Philippians for those who follow Christ. Philippians 1.27 tells us again, Whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul says the enemies of the cross of Christ are those whose destiny is destruction. Their God, their place of worship, is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. These earthly things are, of course, not primarily things that... We do everyday things that we do, but rather things that are in opposition to God and His character. Colossians 3, 1-10, the book just a little after the book of Philippians, reveals these earthly things, while also calling those who are in Christ to look above. Colossians 3, 1-10 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, And I've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Powerful, powerful words. To set your mind of things above. Not on earthly things, because in Christ you have died. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ. And now Christ is your life. You have been crucified with Christ, as Galatians 2.20 says. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. True grace, the grace that we sing about, that we read about, true grace reveals your sin. And when your sin is revealed, you can't help but try to kill it. Pressing on towards the goal that we have, our gospel goal, means that we pursue holiness, pursue Christ and not the earthly things that Paul reveals. In fact, we do this because, as Paul says in verses 20 to 21, that our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The body of Christ the church we are citizens of heaven I was hearing somebody this past week and they said that when we are in heaven they believe for one second even less than one second we will realize that this earth that we live on right now was not home it's not but for many of us we live like it we pursue pleasures like we believe these are the greatest pleasures we could ever experience. But our citizenship in Christ is in heaven. We are not home. We eagerly, eagerly await Jesus who is there, who will transform our bodies, our lowly bodies, so that they will be like his glorious body. This is part of the gospel goal, the gospel prize, that those who endure until the end in Christ will have their bodies transformed that those who press on, make effort to know Christ, will see him fully, and that those in Christ, held to by Christ, will know him fully. Having our citizenship in heaven means that we can fully share the gospel. We can begin to understand that our comfort, our sense of fear in sharing the gospel is nothing compared to the souls of the human beings around us. Therefore, Paul says, My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord. As we near the end this morning, the questions for us perhaps are, are we pressing on to make Christ our own, just as he has made us his own? Are we in everything that we do, in our meals during the day, in our tasks, our chores, our job, our driving, taking the kids to sports, whatever it is, are we pressing on in everything we do so that we can know Christ, that we can make much more of him, that we can gain him and count everything else as loss for the sake of him? Are we pressing on knowing that Christ is our highest pleasure and not the world around us? Pressing on takes effort, but it is the greatest kind of prize in the end, and knowing this, the effort, the pressing on, is a joyful process as well. If we don't press on to Christ, we let the world around us know that Jesus isn't really important at all. If we don't press on to Christ, we are showing God that we would rather look for our satisfaction in other places. So our call, my call from the Word of God this morning is to press on, press on church. But press on knowing that Christ has taken a hold of us and He will hold us fast. And therefore we must pursue Him at all costs. He is our gospel prize. He is our prize. He is enough, and he is everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for a time that we can corporately uh, hear the word proclaimed, and especially as we've been going through the book of Philippians. Father, I pray that we have a, a deep, great sense of how much you hold on to us, that you have taken a hold of us that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But in that, let us remember, may your Spirit remind us that we are to press on towards knowing Christ even more in our lives as followers of you, in our work, in our marriages, in our families, and beyond. We love you. We want to give you all of the glory. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.